0: Welcome to the Parent Ed Podcast by Focus on the Family Singapore. Family life can be crazy and chaotic, so join us as we figure it out together.
1: Hello and welcome to the Parent Ed Podcast. My name is June and I'm your host for this episode. In each episode of the Parent Ed Podcast, we'll be tackling questions that parents are asking about family life, parenting, marriage, work life and more. We'll be speaking with everyday parents and practitioners as they share with us their experience and practical ideas. We hope that you will keep tuning in to learn with us and to grow in your journey as parents. The burden of stress can feel great for parents of children with special needs. A recent study found that mothers of adolescents and adults with autism had levels of stress hormones comparable to soldiers in combat. Finances are often a source of stress. Frequently, one parent sacrifices their career to attend to the child's needs with a resulting loss of income for the family. Parents of children with special needs are often exhausted and also face many social and emotional challenges raising their child. Today's podcast will cover some of these issues and more. Joining me today is Theresa Soon, a mom of three children, one of whom has high-functioning autism spectrum disorder. Welcome to the Paranet Podcast, Theresa. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Would you like to just share a few things about yourself so that our listeners
0: can get to know you better? I'm a mother, but wife first? And also working part-time. So I consider my mothering, I think, one of the most important responsibilities. And... Working part-time is uh, something that I'm very thankful I can do because that allows me to also have more time with my children and attend to many, many, many household needs. And most importantly, because when my children were young, I really felt the importance of having a family or caregiver that was stable and someone who would truly love them. So I chose the option to stay home for a number of years. That was like maybe 21, 22 years ago. I felt really the need to see my children through at least the first maybe 10 years of their life. And yeah, that was when I actually had two sons at that point. Yeah, I then found out when I chose to stay home that year, I was pregnant with another and prayed really hard for a daughter and yeah, was very blessed. Hmm. So in 2001, became a full-time homemaker.
1: Thanks for sharing with us a snippet of your journey over the years. I'm sure being able to have a bit of flexibility in your work arrangements, that probably helped when you had to care for a child with special needs. Whatever needs it could be, it could be a learning delay, even a developmental disorder. I'm sure it also comes with a lot of time that you have to invest Mm -hmm. acquiring certain skills, be it just managing your own emotions or your child's, as well as even advocating for him in school or Mm -hmm. elsewhere. Yeah, I'm sure it also makes a huge demand on your time and your energy, uh, which could also affect your other relationships like your marriage as well as your connections with other children. Perhaps could you please share with us your story as a mom of a special needs child and how did you embark on this journey? Like what happened at the time that helped you to learn
0: about this? Uh, when my first son was born, obviously as new parents, I think the struggle was really to know how to care for a new baby, know how to attend to the baby understanding what the baby needs. And at that time, um, my mom was actually helping me for a bit. But I had to go back to work after my maternity leave. And somehow, looking at him being a colicky baby, right from birth until six months, already affected both my husband and myself greatly. Mm -hmm. Because it meant we really lost our sleep. Fast forward to... Uh, About three years later, I had my second son and that was when my, I think, instincts or gut feel for something was not quite right became stronger. I noticed that my second son was able to sleep very easily and early on in his first few weeks, he could sleep through the night without much issue and we also found a way to resolve colic for him. We kind of intervened. But that was not the main thing that triggered my uncertainties and my concerns. The main thing was more when I was looking at how when we bring the children out, at that time, the two boys, my first son would really have a hard time. When he goes out, he'll just be very difficult to handle. Most of the time, he will either cry or he will be throwing a tantrum for some reason. And so my option for him then was to really tell him, look, if you cannot choose to cooperate with us, we have to bring you home and we cannot continue our outing. My husband didn't agree, so that was a challenge because he wanted to continue the outing. And so we had quite a bit of friction uh, as far as this was concerned. And we used to travel up to Malaysia because my in-laws are Malaysian. So we had to visit them. And each time when he went to my in-law's place, it was also not easy. Hmm. He would always have extreme demands and my father-in-law would tend to give in. And that again triggered some friction because I had my rules. He was not really very cooperative. So fast forward a few more years, I noticed he was being bullied in preschool. And the teacher actually fed back to me. But that was after he finished his preschool and he was going to be entering primary school. And I realized something was not right because if I do not pay attention and provide the help that he may need in a special way because he was not uh, figuring things out like my second son. I know comparison may not be the best thing, but it really helped because the comparison helped me to identify what is so-called atypical and what is out of that typical range Mm. and needing maybe early intervention, which I kind of missed. That was the point when I decided he was entering primary one, I should stay home because I should at least provide him the help to transit from preschool to primary school. I actually had the diagnosis done, fast forward another few more years later, and found out he actually has Asperger's syndrome, which now has been reclassified, I believe. So it's considered high-functioning autism. But the diagnosis given officially was actually sensory integration disorder. So the diagnosis and assessment done provided Understanding of his motor skills, his lack of balance, and certain other aspects. Uh. And so the main reason I went to actually have the diagnosis, despite many oppositions, kind of comments uh, from people around me, was really to help understand my child mm-hmm. and help him. I really wanted the diagnosis not for any other reason, but how do I help him? I was clueless, you know, um, what to do. So after getting the diagnosis, the occupational therapist was very helpful. She provided me with a list of things to do, uh, not to do, and how to really help him. And because of the finances um, being very tight, and it's not cheap seeing therapy, right? So I had to do a lot of things at home. Yeah, Mm -hmm. She was very helpful. She provided me with a lot of homework. So Mm -hmm. I did that. And I think it did help uh, to some extent. Uh, believe that it helped him with, especially his sensitivity towards uh, certain material when he was wearing clothing. You know, he had this issue with uh, labels, mm. tags. You know, on the collar, and he'll really fight tooth and nail. You know, not to wear that item because it's so uncomfortable, it's so ticklish, or it's so irritating. And in the past, we actually I remember caning him because. You know, we're trying to get dressed to go out and then he'll be (laughs) kicking a fuss. But after realizing all this, anyway, before even the diagnosis, we decided, okay, we're going to cut all the tags, you know, and that will kind of ease all the tension. Mm. And also he chose to really love wearing old clothes because, you know, new clothes were so uncomfortable. I said, okay, that's a savings for me. Let him wear his old clothes. So I found different ways after getting the help, the advice from the occupational therapist and reading books, one of which was Dare to Discipline by James Dobson. Really, really was a godsend and really helped me. I applied much of the advice from James Dobson's really his words of wisdom. Literally, you know, I saw it happening, working. You know, means I do this step one, step two, step three, and then I'll get the results. So I was very encouraged and very, very thankful Mm. that I could find some tools, some help along the way.
1: That's wonderful. I think that was one of my first parenting books as well. (laughs) (laughs) And it really helped a lot, especially, you know, strong-willed children, right? Yes, (laughs) yes. You've really gone into sharing that bit of your journey as well as the challenges that you faced or that your child faced at the time. If you could help us to understand some of the emotions that you felt in that moment what kind of emotions and it need not be linear Mm. it need not be very neat could you
0: bring us through that actually it was roller coaster many times because when i got the diagnosis i think the first emotion i felt was really relieved strangely Mm. i think many parents might huh why do you feel relieved you just got a diagnosis of him having a condition you know relieved because all the years of suspecting something was not quite right kind of came to a confirmation, conclusion that, yeah, I need to give him special help and I need to really uh, provide and be that expert for him because who else can really help him apart from the one who is caring for him the most? So I went through a lot of difficulty because the first reaction from my husband when I showed him the report, he threw back the report almost at my face and told me, I don't know what is this. I don't understand. I said, so you need to read. If you don't read, how will you understand? And he just refused. So I started to read more books. I started to go online, search out websites. Uh, like Tony Atwood's website was very useful as well. Tony Atwood was, he's a professor and a psychologist who really takes care of children, especially, especially high-functioning autism. I find he's he's really knowledgeable and he also found out that his son at the age of 30-something actually has similar condition. Coming back to the emotions, there were many times I felt very alone, very lost. And during those days, because it's like almost 30 years ago since he was born, there was not a lot of information, especially in Singapore. Although there were there was this Autism Resource Centre, etc. Uh, the information is still very little. Mm. So I literally cried out, Many times at night to God and prayed and just felt God's comfort. But at the same time, I started to journal. I started to put all my frustrations on paper. Basically, almost every night I would be writing. So it was a release for me. And I think that helped my sanity to stay on track.
1: Were there also other emotions like
0: grief at some point? There was one point that there was this grief I felt because... I attended a talk by this uh, psychologist who lives in, I believe, the US and he comes back to Singapore to give talks. And I actually went up to him after his talk and I explained to him my son's condition. Sadly, he actually said, oh, Asperger's, not much hope. Well, straight away, in my mind, I rejected that talk. I, said, I didn't want to be rude and tell him in his face. I say, no, God has the final say. He's the one who created my child. He's the one who knows him inside out. He will tell me what to do ultimately, and he'll tell if there's other people who need to help him what to do. So at that point, I really felt grief at the fact that it was so unsupportive of a professional who is in practice to say such things. I'm not saying that you have to award like certain uh, special awards for children with that special needs, but do not say there's no hope mm. because ultimately, what is the message you're conveying? And the message we should always convey to our children and anyone for that matter is hope. You no, know, there's hope to live. There's a purpose to live. And if you say things like that, mm. I was very put off.
1: Yeah, it must have been very painful in it that was, moment too. Yeah. yeah. It was. Thanks for sharing. I understand your, your child now is a young adult. So you kind of covered his journey in primary school, um, the challenges that you went through with him. And it really sounds like you, went to a lot of lengths, great lengths to not just educate yourself, but also yeah. to um, probably empower your family, your spouse, um, maybe his, siblings as well. I was just wondering, like, how did you manage your own worries and your Mm -hmm. own stresses? Mm -hmm. And yet, you have to maintain this relationship with your child. You have to work through some of the difficulties. You have to make repair when there is conflict. How do you manage all this? What helped you?
0: Actually, having a mother's group really, really helped. I found a mother's group. I believe God let me in because It was a church sister who brought me to this mother's group. And this mother's group, uh, basically, all of us had at least one child, either a son or a daughter, but I think at that time it was all sons. All of us had sons with the same condition. Mm -hmm. And so when we related incidents like... Or, you know, when he's in a group playing, he'll always want to decide the rules. He'll always want to win. And then there's not a very fair play of certain things. And we could relate. Finally, when I became part of the group and we shared stories and exchanged, literally like war stories, (laughs) the fact that someone can relate to what I'm going through really helped It really showed that I was not alone, firstly. Secondly, because we really cared for each other, encouraged each other. Sometimes we'll send messages or we'll just pray for one another. That made me feel less alone. And that made me feel the possibility of getting help through others who are going through the journey. And me also one day providing, you know, that help. Because I believe there's no point keeping all the help to myself and then not sharing. was purposeful. And that made a difference. Really big difference.
1: So it's a bit like, you know, caring for yourself first, right? And putting that oxygen mask on yourself. Taking care of your own needs, Mm. um, especially your social needs and not feeling so alone in that, you know. Not so
0: isolated.
1: Did you have to sort of spend a bit of time managing sibling Mm. relationships and how did you help your other children Mm. to
0: be more understanding? That's a tough one. Really? Mm. Because the fact that my first child is the one with the special condition, sometimes meant that a lot of attention was on him. And the younger two sometimes really did not get my time, my energy. And sometimes it's the leftover, to be fair to them. They sometimes got the brunt of, you know, my not so pleasant emotions. At times when I was angry, frustrated or tired, they would be facing the brunt of it. But at the same time, I tried my best to explain the needs that he has in terms of the family as a whole, hoping that that would help to smoothen some of the friction that happened. I think the toughest thing was not knowing that ultimately when he was going through the bullying phase, he he was being bullied, that might also impact how he responds to his siblings. Very frankly, he also let it out on them. And so I had to be the peacekeeper and I had to sometimes be the shield for the younger two because when he reached the phase in his teenage years, uh, he was gaming a lot and I felt the gaming affected his mood as well and at some point, he did use force to own one his way and that meant the younger two getting hurt, physically getting hurt, emotionally getting hurt and I believe mentally as well. And that meant I had to come in because... I definitely would not want his condition to be a special excuse you know, for allowing him to do the wrong thing. I was very firm about that because I told him, regardless of whether you have this or you have that, ultimately there are some things that cannot be done and must not be done and there will be consequences. And so I had to enforce uh, discipline, definitely. I had to tell him that if you did this, you have to face this. So one of which was I felt after a certain age, They were old enough to write and read. So I used to actually get books. There were some books that I really felt were useful and I used to actually ask them, you know, let's discuss what happened and write down exactly what happened. I guess the journaling part maybe came into the play of uh, discussing with them and I told them to explain what they were going through and why it was wrong. And then we had a discussion and there were times I also made them write lines. (laughs) must not do this. I don't know how effective (laughs) that was but I think the part where they had to process the wrong action you know and to correct it may have helped.
1: Sounds like (laughs) yeah really very intentional in you know debriefing everyone and then getting all of them to actually process what they went through because if you think about it in a scuffle each person has his or her own emotion and interpretation of what happened and very often you don't know what it was like for big sister Mm. or big brother right Mm. until you actually articulate that yeah i'm just curious do they still keep all this i don't know (laughs) where they
0: are as i i shared with you i'm doing decluttering i hope i can find some of these (laughs) (laughs) because i think they are precious actually
1: (laughs) yeah yeah and one day if you decide to write a book you know all these would be fodder for your
0: Book, Mm, yeah, definitely, yeah. Mm. In fact, that is something I felt that I want to do, you know, one day, because I don't want my story just to be my story. is like tucked away, and the purpose of writing a book is really to help others, not so much to tell the whole world, you know, what happened. But really, if you notice some things about your children, if you notice something at birth, even start to pay closer attention, start to listen and start to have conversations so I hope one day actually that's my dream
1: (laughs) wow thank you for sharing it with us we will (laughs) definitely support your book (laughs) so Teresa you've shared so much about your personal journey and I'm so grateful I think many of our listeners would benefit as well I think I just wanted to ask like how would you encourage other parents who are grappling with you know raising their child with special needs
0: I have three short words which I really, really want to bring across. Number one, be your child's biggest cheerleader. Be the loudest <laughs> in a good way. Be your child's most confident coach. Even though at times you may not be very confident, still show confidence to your child because you love your child. You just want to express that love, being confident to care for that child. And also be your child's counsellor, confidant and counsellor. Ultimately, who cares for your child the most? I mean, besides God, I know we as mums or dads have to be the ones for them, present for them, available and listening to them. Yeah, one of the things, uh, I think a small bite I would like to share is, my son, all my three children, I think, have some of this, but especially the first one and the last one, I think the youngest also sometimes does this. When he comes back from school, I remember very sweet, the moment he enters the Door, right? He'll tell me practically almost everything about the day. And I'm sometimes in the midst of cooking or, you know, preparing something. I'm like, can you wait? (laughs) I want to listen, but I can't listen because I'm also doing something. So sometimes when I miss those opportunities, it's gone, you know. He will not want to share with me anymore because it's like there's a very small window. So my encouragement is be available, cheer them on, coach them, counsel them, listen to them
1: wow sounds like a lot that you have to do (laughs) and i'm so amazed by your story and how you have really persevered on yeah i'm sure it has really helped your relationship with your son as well as your whole family thank you for sharing your story for those tuning in and we hope that you have benefited much from this podcast and are feeling less alone on this journey especially if you are a parent of a child with special needs we hope that you can share this podcast with a friend or a parent who may benefit from this as well. For more parenting resources, do visit our website at family.org.sg. Do keep tuning in to the ParentNet podcast to learn and grow in your parenting journey. Until next time, have a great week with your family.